the world of the internet. Welcome to Bill's Facebook study on Sunday afternoons. It is a hot week in uh, in uh, everywhere it seems, but certainly here in East Texas. And I'm glad to be coming to you from uh, the wonderfully warm Tyler, Texas in East Texas. We I don't think that we've hit 100 degrees yet, but uh, it will come. We are certainly getting there and that's probably happen very very soon hope that you're able to uh, watch this video I'm looking at the uh, uh, my little uh, blue ball that's rolling round and round and round and saying it's working so I'm assuming uh, that it's getting everything uh, going and hopefully you are having a good day again welcome to all I'm glad that you're with me we've been studying through the book of 1st John on Sunday afternoons and uh, today we're going to be in the great first chapter looking at uh, a bunch of back and forth verses but before we do that I have to say happy Father's Day it is Father's Day what a blessing godly men in our lives is and that is uh, one of God's great blessings giving us people in our lives that help us to understand uh, what's going on and what it looks like to live a faithful life and to live and serve others so along with that, I thought that I would wear a shirt that one of my daughters sent me for Father's Day this year, and here it is. Hopefully you can see that all right. It basically says, you can't scare me, I have two daughters. And boy, is there a lot of truth in that. I love my daughters, Amy and Amanda, so very much. My sweet wife, Joyce, uh, who's been such a wonderful mother, and now Gammy. Uh, and I've um, gotten text messages and uh, Facebook messages and all kinds of things today wishing me uh, Happy Father's Day and that is a that is a great great blessing and this is just one of those It's one of those classic shirts, you know, it's kind of like the one that uh, uh, that says uh, hi board I'm dad and You may have to think about that one for a little bit and perhaps in the middle of the lesson you might get it But um, that's a great one. That's kind of like a good dad joke But this is the one for this year. You can't scare me. I have two daughters and so uh, Thank you to my wonderful Amanda and to my wonderful Amy and to your families uh, That give me so much joy. What a blessing it is. So uh, a lot of folks uh, tuning in today Wonderful to be able to see you and to be able to share with you uh, this uh, great message from uh, 1 John chapter 1 and 2. So let's get right into it uh, as, we, as we begin today one more time. Uh, happy Father's Day to all of my wonderful uh, friends out there who are such godly men, such great examples of the love and, um, and service of Jesus Christ. I want us to begin by reading from 1 John chapter 1, the verses that start out this great passage that we looked at last week, verses 1 through 4. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared. We have seen it and testified to it, and we proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and has appeared to us we proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us and our fellowship is with the father and with his son Jesus Christ we write this to make our joy complete to make your joy complete to 
to fulfill what Jesus said in those last few chapters of the Gospel of John. He's writing these things. He's doing everything he did to make our joy complete. And so that's very much like the first few verses of the Gospel of John in John chapter 1 um, that talks about the eternal nature of Christ, his divine nature, his creative power, active in creation. Uh, but it also speaks of him being uh, the life and light of God. And that's going to be a theme here in 1 John chapter 1 as well. Uh, immediately we see that, um, that dichotomy, that back and forth, that good versus evil message that is uh, 1 John. Uh, we spoke last time about this, uh, this great letter having two different streams. One stream that gives assurance to those who are seeking to do the will of God. In this passage, he'll call that walking in the light. And then another stream that is addressing those who have forsaken that desire to please and to serve God and gives them a word of confrontation. Both of those are found throughout 1 John. Both of those are found in a very special and clear way in the passage we're looking at today, beginning in 1 John 1, verses 5 through 10. So let's get right to that as we continue this great first chapter of this great letter. Uh, I'm going to read 1 John 1, verses 5 through 10. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you, God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light, 1 John 1, 7, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his Son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. 1 John 1, verse 9. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar, and his word is not in us. Well, as you can see, a lot of back and forth there. A lot of back and forth. Talking about living faithfully, walking in the light, confessing our sins, and also talking about denying that we have sins. Uh, and so we start out with good versus evil in 1 John 1, and now we continue that thought with light versus darkness. Uh, 1 John 1 verse 5, God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. And if we claim to be without sin, then we are walking in the darkness. And so we start out with good versus evil, and then we realize that that transitions to light versus darkness. The beginning of God's uh, creation is... Um, the beginning of God's creation is uh, let there be light. <laughs> we remember that. And, and, and God is light. He brings light to this earth through his spoken word, but he also is light. Just as John will later say, God is love. The Lord is my light and my salvation. The psalmist said in Psalm 27, uh, God's servant, God's Messiah, Jesus Christ, would be a light to the Gentiles, the Old Testament says. And throughout the Gospel of John, Jesus is the light of the world. And he calls on us, 
in the Sermon on the Mount and tells us you are the light of the world. Uh, what a great, wonderful blessing it is. Uh, and so if God is light and he calls us to be light, then we are not to walk in darkness. But again, what exactly does that look like? Well, verse 6 is the first of the back and forths, the first false claim. If we claim we have to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live by the truth. To claim to have fellowship with God but to walk in darkness, uh, to live in a, in a disobedient manner, in a, um, in a rebellious manner, an arrogant manner that says, God, I don't care what your word says, what your will is, I'm going to live my own life. Um, that is far from what it means to walk in the light. Walking in the darkness, uh, just like in uh, the Apostle Paul's letter, John letters, John uses this verb uh, to walk, meaning to live. It's talking about our the way we live our lives, our ethical lifestyle, how we, how we conduct ourselves. So it's talking about uh, conduct and behavior. Uh, it's talking about our life, how we live that life. And if we do not acknowledge that we are sinners, uh, then we're lying and we're not living by the truth. That's where he's going to go with this. So we have good versus evil. We have light versus darkness. And now we have truth versus lies. If we claim to have fellowship with God and yet we walk in darkness, we're turning away from him, we're living a life of disobedience to him, uh, then uh, we are lying and we're not living according to the truth. The truth uh, cannot uh, be around that lie that says, I have no sin. How do we know that? Well, let's keep reading, shall we? 1 John 1 verse 7 is the antithesis of 1 John 1 verse 6. Uh, we'll start in verse 5 again. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. Now verse 7. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus his son purifies us from all sin. Verse 7 is the opposite of verse 6. Verse 6 talks about us walking in darkness. And then verse 7 talks about walking in the light. So good versus evil, light versus darkness, truth versus lies, and now walking or living in the light versus walking or living in the darkness. Well, what exactly does walking in the light mean, Bill? Well, I, I, I think I know, um, but... One thing I know for certain, I know what it doesn't mean. And it helps us to understand what it does mean to say what it does not mean. And we know for sure that walking in the light does not mean that we do not sin. Why is that? Because that contradicts everything else, not just in Scripture, but in this very chapter, in this very paragraph, in this very verse. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, does what? It purifies us from all of our sin. So walking in the light doesn't mean that we don't have sins because the blood of Christ continually purifies and cleanses us from our sins. And that's the idea behind that verse, behind that 
uh, that statement that's in the present tense. It's in the, it's Jesus is constantly cleansing us from our sins through his blood. And it's not something that says, well, he did that once and he's never going to do it again. That's true with his death, but that's not true with the cleansing, purifying power in his blood. Just like the old song says, there is power, power in the blood. We received that forgiveness in the Old Testament. They, they had the Day of Atonement, the Yom Kippur, once a year. The high priest would go into the Holy of Holies and he would take the blood of the sacrifice and he would sprinkle it on the altar. But that only had power because of the blood that Jesus would one day shed. Jeremiah 31 looked ahead to that new covenant and that new sacrifice where the tablets, the law would be written on our hearts, not on tablets of stone. And in that passage in Jeremiah 31, 31 through 34 that the writer of Hebrews uses, uh, as we saw last week, uh, last Thursday, uh, there is a, a special mention there that says, and he will forgive our iniquities. He will remember our sins no more. This this uh, blood of Christ continually cleanses and purifies us from our sin. But it calls on us to walk in the light. And that means to have a, a lifestyle, a conduct, a behavior that seeks to glorify God. F.F. F. Bruce has said the children of light are those whose behavior reflects the character of God. It doesn't reflect that perfectly because, again, we need his blood to purify us but it does reflect that character of God, the walking in the light and the refusal to walk in the darkness. When we walk in the light in this way, we have fellowship with one another, First uh, John 1, 7, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, purifies us from all our sins. So we have the horizontal and the vertical. We have the horizontal that says we have fellowship with one another. And then we have the vertical that says the blood of Jesus purifies us from our sins. And throughout 1 John, we're going to hear about both of those. We're going to hear a lot about the horizontal. And we hear a lot about that in, in the New Testament, really. It speaks more about our relationship with each other and how we should treat one another uh, than it does about those specific vertical commands of pleasing God because you can't do one without the other. Just as Jesus said, the greatest command is to love the Lord our God, and the second is like it, to love our neighbor as ourselves. John, in 1 John 3 and 4, will very clearly say, if we're not doing the horizontal, if we're not loving our neighbor as ourselves, then we're not doing the vertical. We're not loving God, which is the first and great commandment. And so this verse, 1 John 1, 7, puts it so wonderfully. If we walk in the light, if we're on that path uh, to pleasing God, not doing it perfectly, but doing it faithfully, uh, then we have fellowship with one another. Our relationship with each other is intact, but also the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, purifies us, cleanses us from all our sins, from all unrighteousness. And so again, walking in the light cannot mean that we're sinless, that we're perfect. It just means that we're continuing to trust in the Lord. We're continuing to seek to please him, although imperfectly is how we do it, but we're continuing to be on that path. Our desire is to please him. Our desire is to walk in the light. 
And then we have another false claim. Again, the back and forth is clear in verse 8. Again, uh, let's start this time in verse 7. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus his Son purifies us from all sin. Verse 8, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Uh, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Again, this is self-deception. We're not living according to the truth. We're basically lying to ourselves. How are we doing that? By claiming that we have not sinned. Walking in the light is acknowledging that we're sinners. Walking in the light is not living sinlessly. It's actually the opposite. It's acknowledging that we don't do that. It's acknowledging that we have sins. And that's what enables that blood of Jesus Christ to cleanse us and purify us from all of our sins. Uh, and that's why we read on to verse 9, starting again in verse 8. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, verse 9, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. You see the back and forth very clearly, don't you? Uh, walking in the light, having fellowship with one another, having the blood of Jesus purify us from our sins. Claiming to be without sin is to lie to ourselves and in a minute to God and calling God out to be a liar. And the opposite of that is acknowledging our sins. If we confess our sins, the great 1 John 1 verse 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and cleanse us, purify us from all unrighteousness. Uh, it's such a great verse. I remember when I was in fifth grade, two of the first verses when I really started making a movement towards knowing God's will and trying to serve him. And it was a very sincere thing with me. I remember I began memorizing scripture and these two verses were two of the first ones that I received and, and began to memorize. First John 1 verse 7, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ his son purifies us from all our, of our sins. And then 1 John 1 verse 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify or cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so again, we have good versus evil. We have light versus darkness. We have truth versus lies. We have walking or living in the light contrasted with walking or living in the darkness. And now we have acknowledging sin rather than claiming to be without sin. Those who confess their sins have in Jesus Christ a Savior who offers cleansing and forgiveness, not because he's soft on sin or because he's overindulgent or because he just doesn't care, but because he is faithful and just. Romans 3 makes such an important case about that, how God's justice demands a price being paid for our sins. The beauty of the gospel is we didn't pay that price. Jesus, the Son of God, paid that price. And that's what allows us and enables us to, even though we're sinners, to walk in the light, the light of trusting faith in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Finally, this last claim in verse 10. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. Well, that sounds pretty strong, Bill. Well, again, read those 
verses that immediately precede it, that talk about confessing our sins, that talk about living in light, not darkness, that says that if we say we haven't sinned, then we're walking in the darkness. If we say we haven't sinned, then we're lying to ourselves. And if we say we haven't sinned, then we're calling God a liar. Why is that? Because God has said we have sinned. One of the many places in Romans chapter 3, all have sinned and fall short of God's glory. And that's why in that context, all are open to the love and forgiveness of Jesus Christ if they would just respond in trusting, obedient faith. Isaiah 59 says that catalogs our sins before God, and it says that they have separated us from our God. If we claim that we haven't sinned, then we're calling God a liar because God says that we have. And the truth is he's right, and we know that. And sometimes that gets overwhelming to us, and we should be ashamed of those sins, rightly so. But we can't be lost in that shame. We must be lost in the blood of Jesus Christ because it's that blood that brings purification. It's that blood that brings forgiveness. And that's why we acknowledge that we are sinners and begin again to walk in the light of trusting, faithful service to God. Um, we see that no matter what we do or what we say, we have to acknowledge that we are sinners. But we can also acknowledge that Jesus Christ has given his life for us to save us from our sins. And so Ephesians 5 will say, You were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. What a great passage in Ephesians 5 verses 8 through 16. Very similar to what we read here in 1 John 1. And again, it calls us to live a certain life, but to live that life in gratitude and in response to the love that Jesus has shown to us. Um, earlier in Ephesians, he had said, uh, live as, as though we have been forgiven. Live as those who God's grace has touched. Uh, be willing to understand in Ephesians 2 verse 10 that that we are God's workmanship, God's creation, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Uh, we, that's what we're created to do. We don't do that in order to be created and saved and forgiven. We do that as a part of the response that we give to the forgiveness that we have through the blood Jesus offered on the cross and our own response of faith, believing in that message and in Jesus Christ repenting of our sins, acknowledging that we are sinners and, and seeking his forgiveness and deciding that we will try to maintain that new path of righteousness, uh, confessing that to others so that they will know and being baptized into Jesus Christ, dying to sin, being buried with Christ through baptism into death and being raised to live that new life. That new life is walking in the light. Again, not perfect obedience, but a faithful service of Jesus Christ as we go through all the ups and downs of life. Again, it can't mean that we live a sinless life because he's already said if we claim that we have done that, we're lying. We're lying to ourselves and we're calling God out to be a liar because he has said we are sinners. But that means trusting in Jesus Christ and seeking to live a life 
that pleases him. Uh, living is the light of the world, as Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5. As we mentioned, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill uh, cannot be hidden. And you don't light a lamp in your house and put it under a bowl, but rather you set it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the whole house. And then Jesus sums up that paragraph in Matthew 5, verse 16. Let your light shine before others so that they may see your good deeds and glorify and praise your heavenly Father. Uh, our good deeds have a place, but they don't save us. We are saved by the blood of Christ. And in response, we live a life as the workmanship, the creation of God in Christ Jesus uh, to do good and to serve others, thereby glorifying him. Uh, this passage really ends, if I, were, <laughs> if I were the one who was choosing where chapters begin and end, I would have left 1 John 1, I would have given it two more verses. And so let's read 1 John 2, verses 1 and 2. My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. What a great statement. He begins with that wonderful term of affection, my dear children. Remember John is the disciple, the apostle whom Jesus loved as he designates himself in the Gospel of John. And as he writes these letters, 1st and 2nd and 3rd John, there is a, a great and wonderful depth of love and compassion uh, and empathy and relationship that stems through all of them. And we see that as this, this apostle, uh, this elder, this man who was such an important part of the lives of the people he's writing to, uh, would write to them, my dear children, John does not want his hearers to feel, feel that sinning is okay or normal. That's not what he's saying at all. Uh, but it is a common characteristics. We've all sinned. And again, if we say we haven't, then we're lying. And John confronts that. But he wants us to put ourselves on guard against sin and to be aware of the temptation that Satan hits us with. And then he says this, I'm writing to you so that you won't sin, but if you do, and it's more like when you do. Because again, if we say we haven't, if we say we don't, then we're lying and we're walking in the darkness. Uh, but if we acknowledge our sins and confess our sins and are walking in the light, then he gives us that forgiveness that we seek. And we have an advocate if we do sin. We have one who speaks to the righteous and just judge, the Father in heaven, uh, who speaks to him in the throne room of God on our behalf. It's interesting that this word is the same word that is used by Jesus to describe the Holy Spirit that would be coming, that paraclete, that comforter, that counselor, that helper. And Jesus is that, and in John 14, he says, if I go away, when I go away, I will send another comforter to you. The Holy Spirit continues the presence of Christ for us in this life, in this world. We have that advocate, that one who speaks to the Father in our behalf. And we have Jesus, that atoning sacrifice, 1 John 2, verse 2. We have him as our propitiation, uh, that $2 word that simply means he saves us from God's wrath. He is the expiation. He is the one who takes away or cuts away 
our guilt. And he is our propitiation. He is the one that saves us from God's wrath and makes us righteous. Uh, he is the atoning sacrifice. That idea of atonement is reconciled to God through Jesus' sacrifice. Uh, we become righteous in God's eyes. And that's what Romans 1 talks about when it says, in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed by faith. Romans 3 talks about that using the same language, Jesus being our atoning sacrifice, uh, so that through faith in him we can be forgiven. So many other passages that, that uh, agree with that. Uh, John the, the Baptist in John 1 verse 29 sees Jesus and tells his disciples, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. The great passage in John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only unique son, that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. 2 Corinthians 5.21, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. It's only in him that that can happen. And that's why we're willing to acknowledge our sins. We're willing to confess our sins. Why? Because it enables us to walk in the light. It enables us to have that forgiveness, that purification from all of our sins. God has taken the initiative and has acted in our behalf. And so throughout these verses, we have these contrasts, good versus evil, light versus darkness, truth versus lies, walking or living in the light versus walking or living in the darkness, acknowledging our sin, versus claiming to be sinless. And then finally, this last one, forgiving, being forgiven versus being condemned. If anyone does sin, we have one who speaks to the Father on our behalf. We have an advocate. We have a Savior, Jesus Christ. And through him, we have forgiveness. Uh, and we're willing to share that message with the whole world. John affirms here, what he affirmed in John 3.16, what Paul affirms, what scripture affirms, and that is that God wants everyone to be saved. He wants everyone to hear this message of forgiveness. He wants everyone to humble themselves, to acknowledge that they're sinners, and to come to faith, trusting obedience in Jesus Christ. The kind of life John speaks of is an active one. It's a life filled with actions that glorify and honor God but that don't rest on those actions to save us, but rather sees those actions in that obedient lifestyle as a response to the wonderful forgiveness and salvation we've already been given as a gift through the blood of Jesus Christ. And so we seek to do good. We live by the truth. We walk in the light. We confess our sins. We're forgiven of our sins, and we share the message of Christ with others. I'd like to close today with um, just reading this passage one more time from 1 John chapter 1 verse 5 through chapter 2 verse 2. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you, God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth of God is not in us. 
If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. Amen.